All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week here on the Bama Factor without Sailor Cody Saxon. I'm just going to hop straight into the situation at hand. Uh, took place earlier this week involving one of the Crimson Tide Hoot stars, Brandon Miller. Um, going to pass it over to my co-host, Cody Saxon, as he has a pretty extensive um, history in criminal justice and psychology, um, and he'll kind of explain the situation Um a little bit more clear to those who have been kind of following it this week. If you're confused by kind of what you heard and you've heard from each side of the media that, you know, he did this, he did that. He didn't do this. He, he didn't do that. Um, if you're confused, we're here to bring some clarity to the situation. So I want to pass it over to my co-host Cody Saxon and he's going to kind of open up and kind of tell you just a little bit about what's going on. So Cody, it's all yours. Yeah. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, so for the most part, uh, we've all been seeing the same headlines and pretty much the same updates from all the sources. Um, but as of right now, it looks like the situation is that the firearm that uh, the capital murder suspect, Darius Miles, um, used to murder the victim, Mrs. Harris. I mean, it looks like that that weapon was his weapon. Uh, according to uh, Miller's lawyers, they said that... Um, that Miles had left the firearm in his vehicle and had texted Brandon Miller to bring him his firearm. Now, the one thing that I'm sure we are not going to know that is going to be pretty uh, closed off to public knowledge and all the other aspects of this case that are very crucial and important they, uh, details are going to be, uh, did Brandon Miller know? Now, we've heard speculation from the, from, all kinds of media sources, whether he knew or not, how, you know, what his intentions were, whether he knew what he was going to use it for. Um, and of course, everybody can have their opinions on it. But in a case this sensitive, especially when it deals with the loss of life, we just have to go with what we do know. And what we do know is that the firearm did belong to Miles, uh, allegedly, from what we've been told, you know, like I said, by um, Miller's lawyers, uh, as far as it being a weapon that Brandon Miller provided. It is not exactly that clear and cut. It was the firearm that was left in his vehicle, like I said, according to what we were told. So with that knowledge, um, at this point, they're still investigating. Uh, the Tuscaloosa, I'm sure the Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Office, as well as the local muni municipalities, um, I'm not exactly sure all the agencies that are involved with the investigation. I'm sure there are more than one. Um, however, as far as that goes, uh, Clearly, their investigations have led to them not having made any kind of uh, connections to criminal activity when it comes to Brandon Miller. Now, um, that's really all we're going to say as far as the details of that. Um, this, like we do know, this is a uh, sports podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about Alabama basketball. However, we would like to um, once again wish our um, deepest sorrows and condolences uh, to Mrs. Harris and her family. It is a tragic incident. It is a tragic act of violence that should never have happened. And all the parties guilty and responsible for it um, should certainly face the full punishment of the law. Um, and it is not any day that we like to see the loss of life, regardless of who did it or how sad it may or who, how bad it may seem for anything um, as small as basketball when it comes to the grand scheme of life. Uh, so, like I said, we extend our condolences to them. Um, but having said all that, Alex and I are going to go ahead and to get into this week's episode of the Bama Factor. We have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, 
So, Alex, I'm going to pass it back to you and let us go ahead and lead, lead into it. All right. Well, yes, appreciate your insight on that. And uh, as uh, the story uh, starts to become available even more, uh, we will definitely let you know and keep you updated uh, through the page and and on the podcast as well. But let's get in to the sports. Let's get in to the court. Um, so first segment, we're going to just go in uh, to responding from the loss against Tennessee against the absolute slaughtering of Georgia in Coleman Coliseum this past Saturday. Uh, Alabama defeated Georgia 108-59. to um, uh, It was to be noted that the Crimson Tide never trailed in that game. They improved 23-4, and 13-1 and in the conference. Just over start to the finish, started fast, finished strong, uh, never let up, just a great, great day overall, statistically speaking, as a team and as um, a couple individuals as well. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Cody to let him tell you some of those stats that were so impressive for the Crimson Tide and where they shined on Saturday in the statistics department. So, Cody, take it away. Absolutely, buddy. Um, so, like you said, a great showing by the team. Um one wonderful performance overall. Um, real quick before I get into the specifics, I would just like to keep reiterating the same thing that I've been saying. Um, this team plays as a unit in failure and in success. Um, that's something I love to see. Uh, even in the moments where the brightest they are uh, unified as a team, and I think that that is something that is great to see. Even in uh, spite of media distractions as well as all the stuff that we have going on with the previous situation. This team has shown uh, great perseverance, even bouncing back from a loss, like you said. So, having said all that, um, let's go ahead and get into the numbers. So, Alabama, of course, ended up winning uh, 108-59 to against the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, individually, I was very impressed with several players on this team. Um, All the starting lineup had an impact on it. Uh, on the game. So we'll just start with some, uh, just a few, few point uh, highlights. So Clowney had 12 points, Miller, uh, 21 points. He was seven for 10, uh, field goal, uh, field goal percentage. Now Sears had 17 points as well. So a lot of big guys getting involved, but I think something we're going to get into a little bit more detailed, uh, later on is the bench play. We had a lot of guys coming off the bench, Pringle putting up 19, Griffin putting up 13, very efficient game from those guys. Um, like I said, the efficiency, I mean, Pringle was nine, uh, nine for 12, just absolutely wonderful percentages, great, great play individually from those guys, but some team stats for us to look at. Um, overall, crazy number, this is 2K numbers. Alabama's field goal percentage as a team was 61.9. So they were knocking down almost two-thirds of the shot they were t- shots they were taking. Three-point, highly efficient. They were 16 for 34, which is a 47% three-point percentage free throws back at it with the free throws with a higher percentage 14 22 team rebounding was very impressive um 49 team rebounds you know me i'm the board guy i love it um defense and rebounds is what makes you know what makes or breaks a game and this was an excellent performance by the team uh 37 of those rebounds being defensive and the 12 offensive rebounds to create opportunities for some second chance points as a team very impressive um 
assists as a team, 26. Now, that's 26 compared to Georgia's eight. So, definitely great job on the team. Uh, like I said, playing like a unit. Uh, really good job by everybody on the court, getting other players involved. Um, high, elevating the players around you is key. Um, we look at some of the greatest players of all time, and we can see that that is clearly a trait that they had. Um, so, great part on the team for that. Um, fouls were a little on the high end. We did have 23 team fouls, but it ended up balancing out. Um, Georgia had 19. Um, total turnovers, uh, eight for Georgia, 11 for Alabama, so not not too terrible. Um, and as we know, the largest lead in the game was 50 points by Alabama, um, almost what they won by. So um, incredible performance by the team, incredible performance by those guys I highlighted. Um, really caught heat in that game, bouncing back very strong. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I got for stats. I'm going to pass it back to you. Let's kind of get a little bit more into it about what we saw in this game. Oh, always. And, you know, we always preach your – appreciate your insights on the stats. And, yeah, just again, you know, Brandon Miller just continues, you know, his high level of play and, you know, very efficient, 7 of 10 from, you know, the field, 3 of 5 from uh, three-point range. Uh, you know, Sears had a good day, 5 of 8 from the arc. Good to see him get going. And, you know, Griffin again, you know, still confident three of six from the arc. Um, and, you know, uh, even Dominique Welch getting some good playing time, three of three, eight points. Um, but let's talk about Nick Pringle. I want to talk about Nick Pringle, just the crazy athleticism this kid has, you know, Juco transfer, uh, I believe from Wofford um, this year. And just what he's brought to the team, you know, he plays center in the four and the five a lot. And, you know, you have Pediaco starting at center. He's a seven-footer. And Pringle comes in at, I think, 6'10". So, a little bit shorter, um, but definitely still just as just as huge a presence because even Brandon Miller said in an interview when they asked him about uh, what do you like the most about Pringle, and he said his freak athleticism. And I think we saw that on – display against Georgia because soaring above the rim, catching alley-oops, rebounding like crazy as it showed 12 that he finished the game with, and just a very efficient um, – I mean, he only missed three shots. I mean, and yes, they're around the rim, but still, you know, to be that efficient, to have the touch, you know, to almost really be the high scorer in the game outside of Brandon Miller, uh, you know, the second highest scorer in the game, uh, off of the bench, you know, getting um, literally the most time off of the bench of anyone who was on the bench, you know, 21 minutes played in the game, uh, and he made a really big impact uh, as well. Did get a little bit of a foul trouble with three fouls, but still just the athleticism that Pringle shows. And, I, I mean, I think he's definitely going to be earning more playing time going down the stretch, and I think with kind of like how we said Griffin a couple weeks ago, he could be the X factor. So, Cody, I kind of want to see what you think about him because I obviously know – you love the big guys. You love the guys who, you know, play in the post, who are able to play games like this, who not only score but also show their skill in the – like just on the glass and, and uh, guys who just are such a good presence on the glass. So I want to see what you think of Pringle's performance on Saturday against Georgia. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you just look – I mean, if the double-double speaks for itself in that game, I think that uh... – especially in college, like people don't really talk about it as, as difficult as it is to get a double-double in college basketball. It's really not an easy task, especially um, with, you know, the depth that this team has. His involvement coming off the bench um, 
he did get a lot of playing time, although he did come off the bench still. I think that that just goes to show that he is actively earning more playing time. Um, but even so, like just to me, you like you said, I was always – I think one of my first favorite basketball players when I first started getting into watching basketball was Amari Stoudemire. And honestly, the the how he would get boards and his freak athleticism for the size he had in his prime, it almost – there's the playing style is not exactly the same, but it, when I see him, it makes me think of this very uh, dual-threat player when it comes down to not only his ability to score – and, you know, put himself in position to get the points. But also, um, you know, the part of the game that we talk about how important it is rebounding. Um, and even, you know, ball movement is not something you usually see from the big guys. But I feel like on this team, particularly him and some of the other guys, it's just something that's really coming together. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely – like I said, him getting as many points as he had coming off the bench, he's definitely actively earned his spot on this team, earning more playing time. Um, and I hope to see him because if he puts in the work and has the impact on, you know, future games that he had on this one, I have no complaints seeing him play more. I agree. And, you know, I, and, you know, something else I'll say about him, you know, it's a good change up from, you know, a guy like Betty Ako because, I mean, you know, yeah, if you look at what Charles has, Charles has the height, you know, he's a little bit – obviously he's taller, he's lankier. He's a true post guy. Like, he's not going to step out and shoot the mid-range, you know. He's not going to pull up from three. You know, he's going to be that guy who's going to catch lives for you. He's going to get on the glass, you know. He's going to get your trash points down low. He's going to play a, and, you know, be the good defensive presence that he is and be a good shot blocker. But Pringle, on the other hand, is built more like a wing. I mean, he's built more like that power forward who can play kind of that stretch four position or that stretch five position who can take you on the wing, who can – you know, who has good handles, who can uh, even pull up from the 12 to 15-foot range, and but also can sky above the rim, can play on the glass, um, has good athleticism. So I think it's a good – I just think ultimately it's a good change-up and it's a good change of pace because then when you bring him in, you know, the opposing team has to decide, okay, well, we got this other guy who isn't a threat to shoot, isn't really a threat to dribble drive or anything, but now we got a guy who's playing the stretch four – who is a threat to do that, so how do we adjust? And then if you've got a larger guy on him who is a little bit slower and who, and who he knows that he can that he can get the step off off of the dribble, then that's going to create a lot of good opportunities for him, I think, especially as you go forward in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I 100% agree, dude. Uh, definitely that, that threat that he has in that department. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And I think it is, like you said, moving towards the tournament, uh, going to be a huge impact and uh, a big part of that. Yeah, and for sure. And again, this is just a response to a loss. So I think it's safe to say, don't be the team that plays Alabama after they lose, because the last two times Alabama's lost, they beat, uh, they lose to Oklahoma, then they beat Vanderbilt by 57, they lose to Tennessee, and then they beat Georgia by 49. So safe to say, don't be the team after Alabama, don't be the team that plays Alabama after they lose. Yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it's insane. But again, the response to the loss, you know, we're 13 and 0 in Coleman Coliseum. Hopefully, going to make it 14 and 0 this Saturday against Arkansas, and then 15 and 0 against Auburn next Wednesday, uh, for sure. So, um, but again, played very well at home this year. Super, super uh, happy how they played. Um, just an overall great game. Good to see everybody get involved um, as we did. 
Uh, so, again, great, great win on Saturday. Always good to beat Georgia and uh, to shut up some of the Georgia fans. Um, but now we're going to get into our second segment, the South Carolina game last night. Man, first of all, what a game. Watch the entire thing. And all I can say is, whew, <laughs> um, Wiping the sweat off of the brow after this one, Alabama defeats South Carolina 78-76 in overtime. Bama improves to 24-4, and 14-1 in the conference, the best in the conference. A full game ahead of the Texas A&M Aggies, uh, and they've kind of really pulled away from everybody else in the pack. So these stats are going to be a little bit kind of – a little bit less than the previous. But still one dynamic stat that we will get into uh, for this. So I'm going to pass it back over to our stat man, Cody Saxon, once again for the stats from last night's win over South Carolina. So, Cody, take it away. Absolutely. So, first of all, the streak of 70 died. Yes, it did. It it kills me. But in a thriller of a basketball game, a classic – um, over time, I remember I didn't actually get to see any of the game. I got to go back and watch some highlights, but I was watching the uh, the the live on my phone, watching it, watching the uh, stats live on my phone, and watching it go back and forth, and then seeing the OT in green. I was like, "Oh, here we go! It's going to be a thriller," and it sure was. And man, was there one person on our team that showed up above all, and we have said his name over and over and over, and his name is Brandon Miller. Timothy. One points, more than half of the points that the total team put up, 41 points for him. An absolutely phenomenal performance. Um, a lot of rebounds for the team overall. Bediaco had nine. Clowney had eight. Miller also had eight. Bediaco was putting up ten points. Sears had eight points. But, man, when you look at these numbers, only two players on our team had uh, double digits, and one of them only had ten, and the rest was Brandon Miller. So when I tell you he carried the team, he carried the team. Uh Absolutely incredible performance. And not to sleep on South Carolina. South Carolina divvied up their points a little more evenly throughout the team. Uh, Johnson Jr. had 18. Wright had 18. Jackson had 19. Um, But in the end, Alabama did come out with the win. Uh, The team stats to look at that really made the difference in the game. Um, Who would have thought it would come down to free throws? Uh, It's not like Alex and I have been hounding on it all season or anything. Um, but field goal percentage, Alabama had 43.5% field goal with 27 for 62. South Carolina, 30 of 62. A little bit higher field goal percentage for them. As you can see, more field goals made. They also had more three-pointers made. Um, nine for 21 for South Carolina as opposed to the seven for 27 for Alabama. But it came down to those free throws when it came down to the major point differential, um, which oh, I say major, the two-point point differential. If you look at it, you can kind of trace it back. Um, 17 free throws for Alabama as opposed to the seven. So that 10-point difference in free throws really did come back to make a huge difference in the end. Once again, great team rebounding, um, 40 total rebounds compared to South Carolina's 27. Um, steals, Alabama had six team steals. Uh, turnovers, knocked it down a little bit, but still 12, uh, 12 turnovers. And then personal fouls. Both teams racked up a decent number, but nothing too crazy. 17, South Carolina 21. So those are the team stats. Like we said, in the end, Alabama did come out with the narrow victory in overtime, but a victory nonetheless. We always love to see a great basketball game. And, man, it's good to see it when the right team comes out on top. So with that being said, I'm going to pass back over to you. We can get a little bit more into this. Oh, for sure. And 
<sighs> one name, Brandon Miller, um, Hemothy, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, his performance last night under the circumstances, getting booed every time by the South Carolina student section. They were chanting, lock him up all night. I think every student section who we play against now needs to do that because it just brought something out of Brandon Miller. It brought the animal out in him last night. I mean, new career high from his previous of 36, 41 points, eight rebounds, just uh, efficient as everything last night. Six three-pointers hit last night. It was just in a zone last night. He was not going to be denied last night. And I will say this. This is the worst game we've played all year. From a team standpoint, one of the most horrible games we've played all year. And that includes Oklahoma. That includes Tennessee. That includes Gonzaga and UConn. All four of those that were losses. This is the worst game we played all year. The rest of the team apparently didn't show up. I mean, Quinterly was turning the ball over. Sears was off from three. Uh, Clowney was committing stupid fouls and wasn't catching the ball. Jaden Bradley, I don't – did Jaden Bradley even have any points? I mean – I mean, I think he did. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had six. But, I mean, but then again, I mean, Brandon Miller, just team on his shoulders, all the adversity, all the slander, everything this whole week, and still is able to play this way. I think it's just incredible when you look at it, just how much this team, first of all, trust him. And I kept saying last night, and Cody, I'm pretty sure when you were – like, even though you didn't get to see the game live, even in the highlights, I'm pretty sure you would have been saying the same thing. But in the live part of the game, I was saying, especially in the second half, get the ball in 24's hands and just get out of the way. That's all I said. Like, ISO this thing like NBA 2K and just get out of the way. That's all I was saying. Cause, yeah, I mean, dude, that's about, I mean, that's about what it felt like watching the number. Every time I – it seemed like every time I, I saw the score change, I saw his stat change, and I was like – yeah, uh, they're feeding it to them, and and like we've talked about in the past, it's not only important to have a a leader off the court or off the field um, when it comes to coaching, coordinating stuff like that. Whether it's assistant coaches, even in basketball, it breaks it down to like the the relationship that the players have with trainers. Just every aspect of it, leadership is important. But when you have somebody on the field or on the court, specifically this situation on the court, uh, a guy in Brandon Miller. Uh, you know, you think about the Lakers when they had Kobe, uh, rest in peace. Uh, that Mamba mentality wasn't just about putting up as many points as possible, but it was leading by leading by execution. And I think something we saw, especially in this game, and we've seen consistently throughout this season, is that uh, Brandon Miller is willing to lead by executing his craft to the highest ability that he has, and that is something that is gonna gonna make the difference in the long run. He is going to be the crucial part, the key to our success moving forward as he has been the key to our success this whole season. I agree. and But something that last night taught me is that, you know, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and put something out in the open. And, and, you know, if it sounds harsh, then, you know, I apologize. But that game should have never went to overtime last night. And if any people who are from the state of South Carolina or, or Gamecock fans hear this, no offense, but some offense, y'all suck. All right. Like you're literally three and 12 in the conference. You're 10 and 18. Y'all suck. It should have never been that close. But we knew, but we know that we're going to get every team's absolute best game 
every game we're playing just because we're ranked two and one or three or just because we're a top five team. Every team's going to throw everything at us. I mean, South Carolina could not miss last night, and they never – and, again, I'll say it again, just as I said after we lost to Tennessee, I, th- I said Tennessee will lose the majority of their re- of their games left on their schedule, and they've lost the next two. So that's already coming true. I said Oklahoma will not play as good as they did against us the rest of the season. That has also been true. All right. I said the same thing about Gonzaga. Gonzaga's been steady, but hasn't been what they usually are. All right. UConn also fell off after they beat us. So, again, it's something about when you play Alabama that UConn couldn't miss, Gonzaga couldn't miss, Oklahoma couldn't miss, Tennessee couldn't miss, and then South Carolina couldn't miss last night. And they hadn't shot the ball that well all season long. Obviously, the record proves it. So, again, the game should have never went to overtime. I caught myself saying that all night last night. This game shouldn't even be that close. It should have been a 102-65 to game. I mean, but the only guy who got off the bus last night was – literally was just literally Brandon Miller. It was, it was literally him. And, but I really think it does say a testament to see how long these guys, I mean, Brandon Miller didn't, I mean, 45 minutes last night of the total game, 20 in each half and then five in the overtime. He played 43 of it. That is, I mean, and first of all, he didn't come out the entire second half or overtime. That dude didn't even get a break, like, except in timeouts. I mean, that is a true warrior mentality. But I think three plays, and, Cody, I know you watched all the highlights, so you can tell what uh, three plays I'm talking about. Three plays that just really set the tone last night, and they all involved Brandon. Can we talk about – okay, so his poster at Auburn a few weeks ago, disrespectful, his facial expression afterwards, hilarious, literally became an overnight meme. But can we talk about his poster on not one but two people last night? Filthy. Absolutely. I mean, like, that's a 10 out of 10 right there if he's in the dunk contest. I mean, the degree of difficulty and the foul converted the and one. That was a big momentum shift in the first half. The game tying layup, what a move. It should have been an and one. But can we talk about the clutch gene? of the game-winning layup and just – I'm going to say it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that was the – that was the epitome of that. That was the epitome of a fillet, all right? I mean, just the – I mean, Cody, it was almost as graceful as your gazelle technique in basketball. I said almost, not as graceful, but it was almost there. Hey, yeah, don't discount – the one move that I could actually do. No, but it was, it was impressive. It was clutch and it was, you know, we talk, we, we use the word clutch a lot anymore when it comes to anything that's, you know, good timing. But if you talk about it, execution, prime time, it matters the most. It has to happen. Anybody can do it, but not everybody can do it. You know what I mean? Like hmm. it's, that's a good it's, one. it's the, it's the, pressure of the situation is the intensity of the situation it's uh, after having played for 40 plus minutes like most of those straight it, it, it doing it and just being able to execute it keep your focus keep your calm keep your composure let that pressure turn the coal into diamonds and that's what happened and then sure enough it happened 
Oh, indeed. And just, I mean, like, just, just getting to see him take it to that, just the hush that came over the arena. But I want to talk about some, Cody. I don't know if you saw this because if you just watched the highlights, I don't know if you saw this. All right, so I want to explain. And again, I I hate to do this, but I've got to because this is this this was the worst call I have ever seen in my life. In my life. All right. So Brandon hits the game winning layup in overtime. And as the ball goes through the hoop, there's 0.8 seconds left. Okay. And the clock stops, rightfully so, for them to take it out and for them to pass it in and potentially get a shot. The South Carolina guy takes the ball from the hoop as it comes through, doesn't even go fully out of bounds. And he hoists the ball down the court, and it goes out of bounds. The officials blow the whistle. So, first of all, he didn't take the ball fully out of bounds. So, first of all, that's against the rules. All right, so it'd be Alabama's ball anyway off of that. All right, and if he took the ball fully out of bounds, he hurled it down to the other end of the court. Now, it never touched the court, so the clock didn't start, but he did throw the ball out of bounds. So, hence, Alabama's ball. The official – so, that's two – Two things, that it's Alabama's ball. Either or, you can go off either or. He didn't fully take the ball out of bounds, so that's an infraction. Or he threw the ball out of bounds anyway. So Alabama's ball either way. The officials go to the freaking review station, and they say put 0.1 seconds back on the clock. So literally 0.8 to 0.9, and they gave South Carolina the ball. Explain, explain to me, that all right explain to me that yeah it doesn't make any sense given that the situation really like you said even if he had stepped out of bounds the fact that it goes out the other rim it it... (laughs) if 2k can do it why can't real life officials do it right you know what i mean i mean it didn't make any sense to me i mean even oates was saying and even the commentators say and even the rules expert who was a college basketball official for 25 years saying that it's alabama's ball he says and he said the two things i just said he didn't take the ball fully out of bounds so that's an infraction that goes to the other team and even if he did take it out of bounds he hoisted the ball all the way to the other end of the court where nobody was and the ball went out of bounds it's bama's ball but they gave the ball back to south carolina then they gave south carolina you have five seconds to inbound the ball. It took them more than five seconds. Then they blew the whistle, and they said they weren't given enough time to inbound the ball. They came over to the table and said they weren't given enough time to inbound the ball, so they get a retry. What do you mean they weren't given enough time? What did Bama do? Oh, okay, I'm sorry that Bama guarded them, and it took longer than five seconds. So that's another infraction. So I think that was just blatantly called that way because they didn't want to see – Alabama win that game. And I would like to point out something else for all of you people that watch the game last night. Go watch when the guy catches the ball for South Carolina and hoist up the shot. The clock did not start when he touched the ball. The clock started when he shot the ball. He took two dribbles and shot the ball. The clock is 0.8 seconds. That's enough time to catch and shoot. Not catch, dribble, dribble, and shoot. He caught the ball, dribbled twice, and shot, and the clock started when the ball left his hand. That was bullcrap. That 
That was absolute bullcrap. And I went back and watched it again just to be sure I wasn't looking at the wrong thing. And sure enough, that clock did not start until the ball left his hand. That's shady. So, again, I'll say this just as Cody said a few weeks ago. Not just the SEC officiating, not just the officiating in Alabama's games, but the SEC as a whole. I mean, I watched the Auburn the Auburn Ole Miss game. I watched Arkansas and Georgia, and the Kentucky game and Florida. Officiating's horrible this year, and I don't know what the deal is. But as Cody said, they need to get together and decide on a uniform officiating policy because this is ridiculous this year. Yeah, dude, it definitely questionable calls. Uh, and yeah, like like you just said, repeating kind of what I said, that would be the best. I mean, it seems like every sport is able to do that at some point or another and come together and at least come up with something that halfway makes sense that's pretty uniform across across a league or across a conference or across whatever you know whatever set of of organi- you know whatever organizational level it is with the whole sport at hand this is something that has to become consistent and i get it don't get me wrong basketball is a very fast paced sport basketball is a and as much as people who don't know anything about it like to call it a simple sport it's very involved um there's a lot of aspects that are hard to see in real time and i get that and i do think the involvement of some kind of replay and having replay officials in any sport is to a degree a good thing um but there has to be something that's kind of by by the book completely lined up without this uh too too much for the officials leads to controversial calls that negatively impact teams that have done their very best to abide by the very strict rules that they have enforced on them so they have I mean, I agree, and this, but I mean that the ending of that game was absolutely just atrocious on the officials' part because, I mean, two obvious, obvious things that it should have been Crimson Tide's ball, and they didn't give it to him. Plus, they gave South Carolina two opportunities to inbound the ball after another five-second inbounding call that should have gave the Crimson Tide the ball back anyway, and they said they didn't have enough time. Like, like you'll never give me a good explanation for they didn't have enough time to inbound the ball, like. They had five seconds. That's all you have, and you went over it because we guarded you well enough. So what else do you want us to do? So, But in the end, Alabama came out on top um, despite the officials and, and um, despite uh, all that's going on. So, again, just uh, Brandon Miller, great, great play last night. And just for us to play as horrible as a team as we did, you know, still come out on top. You know, I think you need games like this, especially to grow and especially to unite as a team through something like this. And all you can do is just truck on forward and, and you know, finish out these last three games because these last three games definitely are going to be uh, games that Alabama is going to be tested in for sure if they want to capture the regular season title and, you know, clinch the, the top seed in the SEC tournament. Uh, so let's jump into a little bit of a preview as we wrap up our show tonight, a preview of Alabama's game Saturday against Arkansas. Um, of course, uh, Alabama has already played Arkansas earlier in the season um, in Arkansas. Alabama got the win 84-69 to 69, uh, earlier this year as Sears had the game of his life, um, that game scoring 26 points uh, that day against the Razorbacks. And, again, you know, Brandon Miller had 14, Clowney had 15, Sears had 26, and, you know, so he had three of the five starters in 
double figures and Alabama really storming back in the second half, you know, tied at halftime and then, you know, outscoring uh, the Hogs by almost 20 uh, in the second half. And just uh, that being a very tough place to play, you know, really showed some true grit. But now they get them in Coleman Coliseum. Arkansas definitely taking a step in the wrong direction this year. You know, a team that's gone to the Elite Eight the last two years, still a good team and have definitely won some games they probably weren't viewed to, especially how they started playing earlier in the season. Uh, but they come in at eight and seven in the conference right now, six games out of first place. Uh, they're one win shy of 20 wins on the year, one loss shy of 10 losses on the year. Um, so, again, they do have, you know, a positive record overall. But, you know, I don't think anybody expected them to almost be 500 in the conference, and especially tied with a team like uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt at that. Um, you know, Vanderbilt's improved a lot this year, 8-7 and seven in the conference and 15-13 overall. Um, but, you know, Arkansas is still a very good coach team, a team that has gone, like I said, to the Elite Eight the last two years, have some good scores, uh, you know, have a good defense. Um, you know, they're only allowing 65 a game. Um, and, you know, they're scoring 75. Um, so, again, you know, just a very good overall team. But I think this is in Coleman, and I think Alabama can definitely um, hopefully take um, hopefully take advantage of playing at home again and uh, senior day uh, there as well. Um, so, Cody, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what you think uh, Saturday is going to go like for the Crimson Tide and the Hogs. Absolutely. I don't think – I think. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game as always. Um, I do think the Alabama are still riding that wave of having something to prove. Um, so, I hope to see them come out with the attitude that they do have something to prove. Uh, I hope that uh, any kind of distractions, any kind of uh, outside interferences that may happen on the game, is just as long as the team keeps the right mentality about it, um, focuses in on the season, um, and the the end the end season goal, and play every game like it is that game. Play every game like it is the last game or the most important game. And if they put it all out there every night, they'll be successful Saturday, and they'll be successful, um, you know, moving forward, moving forward next Wednesday as well as that following Saturday, closing up the rest of this uh, against Auburn and Texas A and M as well. Um, but having said all that, yeah, one hundred percent, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I do think that. Arkansas is not the better team, but I'm not going to say anything about it, uh, anything about them in a negative light because we've seen some crazy play from some crazy teams. Like you said, we had no close, we had no business going um, to overtime in such a close game with South Carolina, but I expect uh, them to come out, you know, guns a blazing, and I do expect Alabama to do the same and playing with that high level and that uh, Mamba mentality I mentioned earlier. I do think the Alabama will come out with the win as well. Uh, yes, I yeah I agree entirely. But um, definitely a team that um, that you know Alabama needs to keep their eye on, but they don't need to worry too much about it until next Saturday. Is definitely Texas A and M. You know Texas A and M, the last team that actually upset Texas A and M was Arkansas, uh, eighty-one to seventy. Uh, but since then, you know uh, Texas A and M is. Uh, has won, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've won, I think, six in a row. Uh, you know, they beat Georgia, they beat Auburn, they beat LSU, then they beat Arkansas, 
They beat Missouri, and they beat Tennessee this past Tuesday. Uh, so they play against um, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and then, of course, they close out the year with the Crimson Tide. So definitely on our side, we have the tougher schedule. You know, we have to play Arkansas, who's a good team, Auburn, who, you know, up and down year, but, you know, still always tough. And then, of course, we have to go to Texas A&M that could decide the regular season SEC title as the standings are so close right now. Alabama is one game ahead of the Aggies uh, in the conference. Um, so, again, uh, you know, Texas A&M has a good squad, but, you know, we'll talk more about that when we play them um, and we preview that game on the next podcast. But, again, you know, Alabama, it's simple here. The race for the SEC regular season title, I would rather have the tournament title. If we don't win the regular season, that's fine. I'll take the tournament title because you get a trophy with that one. So, and that's the one that really matters. So, but it would be good to have both. So, um, you know, is it too much to ask for each of them? Uh, So, um, but, you know, really looking at it, Alabama's four and one in their last five games. Arkansas's three and two. Arkansas wins over Georgia, Florida, and Kentucky. Um, Alabama's only loss in that stretch was to Tennessee. Uh, but then again, um, just like Kevin said, I think Crimson Tide is definitely the more talented team, uh, the better team, uh, you know, playing well right now, playing in Coleman, uh, trying to go to 14-0 and 0 in Coleman this year. Um, so very, very proud of these guys uh, for how far they've come this year. And, you know, obviously um, trying to finish the season strong uh, going into the SEC tournament. And, you know, hey, I mean, hey, after Tuesday – you know, it's officially March. I mean, it is officially time for the madness to ensue. I mean, it is officially NCAA tournament time. It's officially conference tournament time. It's officially time that this is where it says heroes are born in March. And that's where you got to start. And I'm excited about it. I know Cody's excited about it. We're going to be bringing you our bracket predictions uh, once Selection Sunday happens. And I hope we're doing a podcast not only on Selection Sunday for uh, to tell you the seed of the Crimson Tide, but I hope we are also doing it saying that the Crimson Tide are your SEC tournament champions as well going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, that would always be the cherry on top of the Sunday for that podcast. So, I agree with you, man. So, again, a um, lot of information that we unpacked tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for the continued support on the page. Uh, spring practice for football, getting ready to gear up again in about three weeks. Um Excited to bring you uh, a lot of that. Uh, keep uh, staying in line with the current series on the page right now. I'm breaking down the 2023 signee uh, profiles, just telling you a little bit about each of our 28 uh, signees from this past football recruiting class, just a little bit more about them, showing some of their highlights, giving some of my thoughts of who they compare to in previous Alabama players, um, what I think their career is going to look like and how it's going to unfold. And uh, then, of course, uh, that's going to lead into our next series, hopefully, which will be our Alabama football player uh, team of 64 bracket uh, that uh, we will get uh, the followers to participate in. So, again, we thank you guys so much for just the support uh, all the time. We love you guys, the support on the podcast. Keep sharing, keep listening, uh, keep commenting. Um, And uh, just, as always, appreciate you guys. Have a good rest of your week. Y'all stay safe out there. Um, And, uh, Cody, your closing thoughts? Uh, Roll Tide, as always. Can't wait to see the rest of the season. Thank y'all. It's always great to come on here knowing that y'all are going to get to listen to just me and my boy 
talk about some sports. We love Alabama sports, basketball, football, all of it. We're glad that y'all love it too. Uh, and stay tuned in. Stay stay tuned into the page as well. Always, Alex, always putting out great content on there. So appreciate y'all and roll tide. All right, guys. Well, we will catch y'all next week as we will recap Alabama and Arkansas and Alabama and Auburn as well. Hopefully it will be a good recap. So go cheer on the tide. If you are in the Tuscaloosa area, they will be in Coleman for only two more times this year, Saturday and next week against Auburn as well. So hope you guys have a good weekend and a good night. God bless and roll tide.